Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This is Joe Beninati. You're listening to NBC Sports Washington's Capitals Face-Off Podcast. Here he is. Here's your host, J.J. Regan. Thank you, Joe. Welcome into another edition of NBC Sports Washington's Capitals Face-Off Podcast. I'm, of course, your host, the one and only, the Capitals correspondent, J.J. Regan. With me today, he is the Capitals insider. He's the Garfunkel to my Simon. He's Tark Elbashir. Tark? You know, these lame intros, they <laughs> scream overcompensation. Uh, I'm not sure what you're overcompensating for. You say that the response has been overwhelming no. in favor of these intros. Of the of the emails to you. <laughs> I've had face-to-face interactions with fans One during my authentic fan One experience time. around the concourses around the NHL. Yes, you, you and they have, have overall they they have panned your intros. You have one experience Lame. and so you are one for one and using that as a hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> Today, it is the mailbag pod, meaning you, the listener, get to decide today's topics. Yes, we are doing two mailbag podcasts in a row. Two reasons for that. One, because Ovechkin's thousandth game is coming up, and so the next podcast will be just about Ovechkin's thousandth game. And the second reason is because we were supposed to record another podcast earlier in the week, and I forgot to record her. So there's a peek behind the curtain. But anyway, there are plenty of questions to answer because you guys really came out in force this week. You guys still want to know about the goalie situation, but we have some questions about the Caps prospects, have some questions about the playoff lineup. So let's get right into it. First off, let's start with Katie Trout. Katie wants to know about possible lineups for the playoffs. As she writes, the blue line has gone through a boatload of change this season, let alone the goalie situation. So who do you see in the press box and with the lineups when it comes to the defense? Well, there are only two players, in my opinion, that are that are battling for spots in that uh, six-man decor, and it's going to be either Christian Juice or Jacob Urebeck. And both have gotten significant run here in the past couple of weeks as Coach Trotz and Coach Reardon have been trying to make up their mind. I mean, who who helps them? And it, it's pretty obvious what they're what they're looking for. Yurebeck is the is the more stay at home, the more defensive of the two. Although there there's some upside there, he moves the puck really well. Juice is more likely to create some offense, even though he's been relatively dry here over the past month or so. He he can do more for you in terms of creating offense. Uh, in all three zones and just kind of getting the puck going in the other direction and thinking offense. Uh, so that's clearly what they're trying to balance here is 
is, you know, which player gives them the the, the most complete lineup. I, I would say it's going to come down to matchups as well. I, I think who they play in that first round is going to maybe dictate who is going to be in the press box. But I, I think you're pretty safe. It's pretty safe to say we know who the top four are going to be. Yeah, and actually, really top five if you count count Brooks Orpic. It's just that number six spot that's uh, up in the air right now. Yeah, it's going to be Orlov Niskanen. It's going to be Kempney Carlson. Those are the top four. I think that's set in stone. And sorry, everybody, Brooks Orpic is is on that going to be on that third pairing. I, I don't think there's any question there. That he should be. Yeah, that, I don't think there's any question there. So it's just down to Urebeck and Juice. Juice has had a good rookie season, but I really like what I've seen from Urebeck so far. But we'll see. They they keep cycling, so we can't really tell so far. But it's definitely down to those two. If I had to guess right now, I'd say probably Urebeck. But as you said. It's going to depend a lot on matchups and what happens in these final few games. Uh, she also wants to know about the lineup for the bottom six. How do you see that playing out? Well, we're still trying to figure that out. I think the coaching staff has some inklings. that They have some some favorites. They got some things they'd like to see. But I, I, I think that there's still a competition going on there. I think Shane Gersich, even though he, he's not going to play against the Hurricanes after having uh, a whale of a debut in just nine minutes the other night, I think – He's kind of thrown a wrench into the plans a little bit. I, I don't. I don't know if they um, what they expected, but the way he played in his debut, I think that's opened some eyes, and he's now in that competition again. Just like just like that that third pairing on on the blue line, I think it's going to come down to to who's playing well at the end, who's producing at the end in these last few games, and. It's also going to come down to what team they face in that first round. If you're facing a faster team, you're going to want a faster lineup. If you're facing a bigger, tougher team, you're going to want a bigger, tougher lineup. So I think having options is good. I, I think at this point in the season, everyone has played with virtually everyone on this team. So in terms of developing chemistry, I don't know. I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I also think that if you look at the way the minutes have been distributed during this nice little winning streak this team has been on, it's pretty apparent that Coach Trotz is going to play the heck out of his first two lines. He's going to get Lars Eller out there as much as he can, and the fourth line probably ain't going to see a whole lot of time. That's probably true. I you got to get Brown in there. I, I don't like that Trotz keeps keeps taking him in and out of the lineup. I think he's played well enough to continue to stay in the lineup. And I, in this competition, I, I don't I don't want to see Rana in the press box. He's good enough. The the ceiling's there. I want to see him on the ice for the playoffs, for sure. Well, you know, a, another reason for the cycling of the, the wingers there on the bottom two lines, and Trotz even said this. He, he, it was kind of a throwaway line at the end of one of his comments. He's also trying to light a fire under a couple guys. There are a, a, a couple of players in, in the bottom six, wingers, who occasionally need, need to have everything taken away from them in order to to wake them up and to get them to start playing every shift like it's their last one in the National Hockey League. And when you're a third or fourth liner, you need to have that approach. And every once in a while, you take Jacob's ice time away, and he comes back with a huge game. Yeah. You take Brett Connolly's ice time away, he comes back with a huge game. You take DSP out of the lineup, he comes back <laughs> with a whale of a game. So I, you know, I, I don't know if why that needs to be happening this late in the season, but it's it's worked to this point, and I think some of this shuffling at the bottom six is is being used as motivational. Speaking of the bottom six, Corey Ard writes, first of Corey. all, don't change the intros, JJ. They are money every night. Thank you very much, Corey. Are you related to JJ? <laughs> JJ, did you just make that up? I don't know. Uh, his question is, Skeptical. what would Gersich have to do to make a case for himself remaining in the lineup for the remainder of the season and the playoffs? Welp. 
<laughs> he's already back out. <laughs> he's not going to play against the Hurricanes. Uh, we're recording this after the morning skate ahead of Friday's game. He didn't seem all that frustrated. I'm, I'm sure he is a little bit, but I would say he's going to get another opportunity or two, uh, especially now that the playoffs are clinched. I, I don't know if he, they're going to throw him into the, the cauldron of PPG Paints Arena on Sunday, but we'll see. I think that he's going to, if he has another good game or two, I think that uh, he's going to really kind of entrench himself as as a guy who has to be considered for a spot in the playoff lineup because we only saw him for nine minutes and nine minutes does not a career make. Right. You know. Remember, he is a what fifth round pick. I mean, it's not like you're talking about bringing up you know your your early first rounder from a couple of years. I mean, you know, he had a very good year, a very good uh, career at UND. He's a little undersized, but he fights like heck. And he's the thing that impressed me the most about his game uh, in his debut was the second effort plays. The, you know, the fact that he would make a play on the wall, get knocked down, and instead of getting back to his, he would swing his stick like a machete from his knees to win that puck back right. as he was getting back up. Yeah. Those second effort plays, man, you can't teach that kind of stuff. That's That's want to. And not everybody has that want to, and he does. I would not be surprised if he unseats somebody going into the postseason. But I, we got to see more. We, get, we nine minutes. I, I can't make that much out of nine minutes. There's been a lot of times this season where we've seen Capitals with good scoring opportunities look for the harder pass and end up turning the puck over. He went right for the net every time he had a chance. He went right for the net. I like that aggressiveness. But Barry Trot said it best when he said, essentially. He played well for a first game. I think there's a lot of work left to do there for Gersich, and a lot of what his game was, it was 100% effort. To play as well as he did, you have to give 100% effort every night, and that's hard to do. Not every player can do that. Especially rookies, we see up and down games all the time. I want to see him more. I want to see more. I want to see what he can do. But I am also cognizant of the fact that rookies have ups and downs. So I'm not penciling him into the playoff lineup just yet. I want to see more from him. I was impressed from game one. But I'm not going to supplant anybody just yet for him. I want to see more of him. I wouldn't have taken him out for the next game. I'm surprised by that. But Barry Trotz wants to cycle as much as possible, figure out what he has. So I, I guess that's fair. Tarek, we got to talk about the goalie situation, of course, but we're going to do that right what after. What situation? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> we'll do that right after a word from our sponsor. Welcome back. All right, Tarek, it is time for the goalie block of the show because we got plenty of questions about Philip Grubauer and Brayden Holtby. Let's start with Garrett Dolke, who writes, Who leads the Capitals out of the locker room for Game 1, Grubauer or Holtby? Game 1 of the playoffs? Yes. I think that really hasn't been determined. If I had to guess, and it, you know, this time of year, you don't get a whole lot of straight answers from people around here or around any NHL club uh, because they're tar- they start to they, look. Every the information is always guarded throughout the season, but when you get inside March, everything gets really close to the vest. If I had to guess, I bet the coaching staff wants as badly as possible for Braden Holtby to prove that he's the man once again and is able to shoulder the load and is the number one going into the playoffs. The numbers say that Philip Grubauer has been the best goaltender in the National Hockey League since Thanksgiving, statistically. Save percentage, goals against average, quality start percentage, so I think they're conflicted. I, I think a lot of what happens here over the next 
handful of games is going to give us a pretty good clue as to what we're going to see come game one. Um, I think the player that starts against Pittsburgh might have the inside track. I think the player who starts against Nashville, I think we'll even have a better sense for what the coaching staff is thinking. Um, but I, I think it's I think it's pretty uh, it's a pretty complex situation here because I mean a lot so much is riding on this so much is riding on this uh, because if they don't get it right this team could be very different next year I mean this is this is a huge huge decision and you know we we're listening to to uh, owner Ted Leonsis um, uh, in the dressing room yeah he brought it up he brought it up it, 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 he he said it and you know what Ted is one of the smartest guys and you you know you know in my years of covering Ted I'll tell you this there are owners who know a decent amount about the game and because you know I mean, obviously to, to, to want to own a, a professional franchise you got to have a love for the game. Because you're not doing it for the money, necessarily. But Ted is a student of life and of hockey. He understands what he's looking at. If he doesn't, he asks someone who knows and then studies it even more. And he told us the other day, in no uncertain terms, this playoff run is going to be dictated by how well the goaltenders play. Braden Holpe was not very good in the postseason last year. Even though he came in with the best numbers in the history of hockey in the playoffs, that wasn't his best playoff run last year. And as Leontes so astutely put it, it's great to have two guys who are playing pretty well right now. You're not going to rotate them. Ted didn't say this, but you're not going to rotate them. I, I think uh, they, they've got to they've got to figure out here over this next handful of games who their guy is going to be. Because like like Ted said, and like we know, if they if they aren't right, if they, they if they pick the wrong guy and you go down 0-2 in that first round, man, those demons start to right. come out of the woodwork. And then you know w- one last thing is. You also have to kind of make scenarios, and I know coaches do this. You know, when when they figure who they're going to play, they're going to go, okay, well, who's better against this team? Um, you know, which goaltender has put up better numbers against this team? But also, they start to they start to do the whole, okay, what do we, what if we lose the first game what, on home ice? Yeah, what do we do in that second game? You have to figure out which goaltender would respond better to maybe. <laughs> potentially getting yep. a quick hook you know it, it, would that be well if, if we give it to Braden and then he you know loses that first game do we switch to Grubauer and if we switch to Grubauer and things don't go well again can we go back to Braden where's his head's gonna be so right. there's a lot of complex stuff they have to kind of sort through and figure out so just like you guys we are waiting with bated breath to see what happens uh, for context on the Ted Leonsis comment he was asked where his confidence was for his team Heading into the playoffs, so he brought and he brought up the goaltending situation unprompted. Mm-hmm. So that I thought that was very interesting. I wrote about it for the website NBCSportsWashington.com. Plug. It's hard to tell. This is a, this is going to be such a tough decision. I think I believe whoever starts the Pittsburgh game is who Barry Trotz right will have penciled in as his number one. But I'm not sure. And Tarek, you brought up a great point, which is something that I've been thinking I'm full too. Of great points. <laughs> It's something I've been thinking, too. It's not just who gives you the best chance to win. It's also what happens worst-case scenario. If they have confidence in both Braden Holtby and Philip Grubauer, then one of the things you have to look at is, okay, what happens if we have to replace one of those guys? I think it is much harder to go from Grubauer to Holtby than it would be to go from Holtby to Grubauer. 
I think it would be much harder. And that's why I think I still believe that Holpe has the inside track on starting the playoffs. If you you can couch it and say, hey, we have two goalies that we believe in. If Holpe falters, then we can go to Grubauer because we still have faith in him. But if you go to Grubauer over Holpe, you're saying he has supplanted him as our number one heading into the playoffs. And so I think it's a lot harder to go to the team if Grubauer falters and say, all right, we're going to go back to Holpe. But that that's my take on okay. it. Okay. I, I, I think that's uh, that's an interesting insight. I, I don't disagree with that at all. Garrett has his second question is on goalie prospect Ilya Samsonov. Assuming he signs, how does that impact the Capitals' goaltending depth chart? Right away, I don't think it, it impacts it. I, I think that he's a guy they are looking at for down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his contract with his KHL club doesn't even expire until what is April thirtieth. Correct. Yeah, so they, they aren't even going to really make any moves until until after that. So I I don't think he's he's in the mix uh, for anything right away. Um, but you know, I, I think as as things unfold here uh, in the postseason and the Capitals, I you know I think Holtby's their guy. But you know, we'll see what happens. I think there's a lot to be determined. I think I think Holtby struggles this season and especially in February kind of opened the door for some of these questions. Yeah. And uh, Samsonov is a highly regarded prospect. He's six foot five. He's a tall man. <laughs> he's a first round draft pick. He's going to be a very good player. I'm not saying he's ready to back up starting next year. Right. But he might be. He's played against grown men now for for a few years. And like I said, he's six foot like four and a half. I mean, he's. He's he's your prototypical NHL goaltender of 2017-18. I mean, you look at everyone's looking for that for that prodigious size, and he's got it. Right, uh, right away, it doesn't affect the Caps depth chart. Uh, but the interesting thing is, I don't think that both Braden Holpe and Phil Grubauer will be back next season. I think one of those guys will be elsewhere, and so that's where things get a little bit interesting. How long do you believe it's going to take him to get ready f- to get set for the the North American game? Phoenix Copley is also on the last year of his contract, so the Capitals are going to need to find a backup goalie next season. And what that means, I, I believe that Samsonov is going to start in Hershey, and when he's ready, I think he'll go up. They'll switch the goalies, but we'll see if that happens next season. We don't know. In terms of depth chart, I think he will come in and quickly supplant Vitek Vanacek. Uh, he has done fairly well in Hershey, but I think he would supplant him fairly quickly. I think the the expectation is that Samsonov is going to be the future in net, so that he's going to give be given every ability to succeed. And when he looks like he's ready to graduate to the North American game, I don't think they will hesitate there. Uh, thank you for your questions, Garrett. Moving on, uh, Frank Johnson disagrees with us about... Uh, about Phil Grubauer. He says Grubauer has earned the chance to start in the playoffs because of his strong play. He also says Holpe has not been good for over a year and he is the sole reason the Caps lost to the Penguins last season. I would disagree with that. I think there are many reasons the Caps lost to the Penguins last season. And my counter to that is the Caps lost to the Penguins for two straight years and Holpe played great the year beforehand. So I don't think you can look at last year and say that he's the sole reason that they lost because he played great the year beforehand and they still lost. As for him not playing well for a full year, he started the season off pretty well. I thought, didn't didn't you think that Hopi played well to start the, se- the first half of the season? I, I think that he was very good the first um, month, month and a half of the year. Uh, the numbers weren't quite there, 
but you know they were integrating new players. They yeah, they had two a, rookies. Yeah, they had a, a inexperienced blue line. Uh, there were some, as Trot says all the time, some stink still in the air from what had happened the previous postseason. So you know, not, not everyone was pulling in the right direction. Right. And, you know, there was a lot going on at the start of the year, and I think he kind of kept them afloat. But you know, getting back to uh, the emailer's question about uh, or point about the, the the semifinals last year against Pittsburgh, here were Braden save percentages. And I know it's not all numbers; there are mitigating circumstances. 857, 786, 933, 833, 909, 889, 929. So one, two, three, four of those games were sub 900. Yeah. No, I'm not saying that Braden Holpe played well last year. He absolutely did not. He was absolutely a factor. But I don't think it's fair to say that he was the only factor that kept the Cavs from winning that series. And let me look at this real quick. Let's see. So he had a plus nine. He was over 90 in three games, and they won two of them. So it's de- he's definitely a significant factor for sure. Can you call him the only reason why they lost last year? No, I don't think that's fair at all. I think there are many factors, and I think that was evident the year beforehand too because he was played great that year, and they still lost. So I don't think it's fair to say that he is the only reason. Uh, I get your point, Frank, but don't think that that's entirely fair. Uh, moving on to Seth Petrie, he writes, If Grubauer makes an unprecedented run as the Caps goalie in this year's playoffs, should we entertain the idea of trading Holpe for a top-four defenseman and sign Gruby to a short-term deal bridging the gap to Samsonov? That's a lot of ifs. It's a lot of ifs, a lot of big ifs. Um, I mean, if we get to the point where Grubauer is named the number one going into the postseason and he gets the Capitals past the second round – Sure, I, I I think those those conversations will be had, and <laughs> all of that will be on the table. Uh, but again, that's just that's a lot of leaping to you know possible conclusions. I mean, stuff has to, a lot has to unfold there. But like I said, if if that is how indeed how things go, sure. I think it's important to note that even if Grubauer starts the playoffs, that doesn't necessarily mean that he has passed Holpe. In the future, I don't think that necessarily means that Holpe's on the training block. I don't think that necessarily means that Grubauer is going to be the starter next season. And I, I, I can think of two examples in sports where this happened. One, Yaroslav Halak. Yaroslav Halak and Carey Price were teammates on Montreal. Yaroslav Halak got hot, carried Montreal further than anyone expected to. And what did the Canadians do? They traded him in the offseason. And you know what? They made the right choice because you know what? Carey Price is a heck of a lot better goalie than Yaroslav Halak is. So they made the right choice there. And let's go to football. Nick Foles just won a Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles. Nick Foles isn't going to be the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles next year because they have a quarterback in Carson Wentz who got injured. He's their number one guy. I know that may not be an apples-to-apples comparison considering that's football. And because Carson Wentz went down with injury, so they had no choice. But because Nick Foles led them to their super to a Super Bowl, the only Super Bowl in franchise history does not necessarily mean that they're on the tra- that Carson Wentz is now on the train block. That's not what's going to happen. Would, I think would, there are a lot. Would, would, would this be a bad time to tell you that uh, Carey Price has a nine hundred two save percentage? Well, who would you rather have, Tariq? Would you rather have Yaroslav Halak or Carey Price? All I'm saying is. 
You know the answer to that question. The, the 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 point I'm trying to make is goaltending is a lot like closer in baseball. It's a lot of it's mental. Guys lose it, man. They lose Absolutely. it. The, the elite ones get it back, but man, it's tough to. It's a tough position to invest heavily in. And that's fair. I mean, when you when you got your guy, I, I guess you, you you know you you ride or die with them. But that's fair. But man, it, it, look, I'm if, glad I'm not a general manager. If Grubauer is brilliant in the playoffs, this changes the conversation. I'm not. Anti Grubauer. I'm just trying to couch the fact that because Grubauer starts in the playoffs doesn't mean that Brayden Holpe is not back. I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I, I think there are a lot of. <laughs> but by the way, j- just for uh, shits yeah. and giggles, <laughs> who has a better save percentage this oh, year? Really? Price or Halak? <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's close. Halak. Does he really? <laughs> Nine oh six to nine oh two. Okay. So yeah, not 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 off by a whole lot, but I was not expecting to see that. Look, Carey Price is a better goalie than Yaroslav Halak. They made the right choice there. In I, theory, a lot of what <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm just a lot of what happens with the goalies for the Caps will depend on what happens in the playoffs. And maybe Phil Grubauer is brilliant to the point where you say, okay, this guy needs to come back next season. Or maybe Brayden Holpe supplants Grubauer in the playoffs again, and Grubauer and Holpe is the guy, and the Capitals are in the same position they were last year, looking for someone to buy Phil Grubauer. I don't know yet. Nobody knows yet. We're just going to have to wait and see what happens in the playoffs. And you are going to have to wait for the end of this podcast right after a word from our sponsor. All right, Tarek, just a couple of questions left. Mary Smith writes... I like JJ's intros, but if you decide to change it up, just make sure it still involves jokes at Tark's expense. Thank you very much, Marie. <laughs> is that your wife? <laughs> no, it is not my wife. Her question is about DSP's future in Washington. He's looked really good at times this season, but he hasn't been that big of a factor down the stretch. I know he's on a one-year deal, but do you think there's any chance of him coming back next year? I would say there's a chance. I think he has been very good at times. I, I think there have been other times where um, you know he hasn't been as effective, uh, and that's kind of always been the knock on him has been the consistency question. That said, you know, given how much he made this year and the impact he had, I, I think he he delivered what I mean. He wasn't even on a, on a one way contract. He was on a two way contract this yeah. year. He could have been you know sent to Hershey. Yep. Uh, so I think he's exceeded expectations. I, I think if they can get him at the right price, sure. I'd, I'd bring him back as a 10th, 11th, 12th forward. I mean, but there's going to be other options out there, and they've got some young kids down in Hershey that they still have to start, you know, these guys have to start getting in the lineup. I mean, uh, you know, Gersich is now a factor. He's now a guy who's come into the lineup and, and is, is probably going to be a guy who, you know, I would say is in good position to earn a spot on this team next year. So I, I, it's too early to put percentages on it because, it, you know, so much is going to happen here in, in this postseason that's going to determine who's back and who's not. But – I wouldn't say the door is closed. I wouldn't say like anyone's going, oh, that was a bad signing. I mean, he, he has exceeded expectations. Yes. Yeah. I think if they can afford him, he'll be back. But we'll have to see if they can afford him. Of course, there's the John Carlson situation going on. So we'll have to see. I think the fact that Jay Beagle probably won't be back will definitely help with DSP's chances. But like I said, we'll have to see. I think he's done what they've asked him to do. I think they're satisfied with how he's played. But it may just come down to a numbers game. Doug Forsyth wants to know about some of the Cavs' prospects. First off, what does the future look like for Colby Williams? Do you think he's ready to play next season? I, I know they like him. They're intrigued by him. You know, he's overcome a, a, a pretty bad injury and, and you know, has, has done some nice things down there. 
you know, they've got two young guys that are ahead of them right now. Yeah. Christian Juice and Madison Bowie. Can you bring another? I mean, I, th- I think both those guys start next season on the roster. Can you bring another young guy? You know, Jonas Th- Siegenthaler is a guy they think very highly of. Yeah, it, it, defense is next to goaltender one of the most technical and hardest positions to to get to, to master in the NHL. That's why you know you see defensemen a lot of times. The, you know, unless you're a first round pick, you don't really hit your stride until 25, 26, sometimes even twenty seven years old. I don't know how much room they have for other youngsters, and you know the, the fact that they went out at the deadline and got Kempney and Urabek suggests to me that they didn't feel like there was anyone in Hershey ready for the playoff, re- ready to come up for, right for the yeah. yeah. So, I mean, and, you know, one of them supplanted, you know, Kempney supplanted Madison Bowie. So, but again, I mean, if if things don't go well in the postseason. Everything could be different next yeah. year. It could be a different mode. It could be a well. You know what? That was a terrible first round. It's time to start. You know, really looking to the future and retooling here. Or it could be, man, we came within a game of, or you know, you you, you achieved the ultimate goal. Yeah. I, I mean, what happens this postseason just looms so large in terms of all these questions we're getting about what's going to happen this offseason. I mean, if they get bounced in the first round. Man, we're talking about new everything. Yeah. If they get to the conference final or win the Stanley Cup, maybe they go, "Hey, <laughs> you know, we just got to make a tweak here, a tweak there, and we, do this we, we can do it again." Right. So, and then there's every possibility in between too. You know, yeah. it's I mean, let's say they get to the conference final and take, you know, Boston or Tampa to the to Game Seven and are within like a you know, goal of getting to the Stanley Cup final. You don't blow it up after that. You know, at, at that point, you're like, "All right, well." Let's let's augment and and nibble around the edges again and see if we can do, take one more run at this. So you know all these questions about prospects. It's going to be hard to 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 say how things are going to turn out until we see what happens in the postseason. Colby Williams is one of the best skaters in the organization. He's fast. He is an intriguing player. The problem with him is that they've got a few prospects on the blue line who I think they rank ahead of him. And if those guys are anywhere close to NHL ready, if they need a call-up, I think they may look to something like that, especially when it comes to to early season when, you know, right now, if they needed someone on the blue line, they would call up an experienced player, not a guy like Colby Williams or a rookie. But I think at the beginning of the season, if you need a call-up, they may look towards those rookies. You know, obviously you got Madison Bowie and Christian Juice, but they've also got Jonas Siegenthaler. They also have Lucas Johansson. They also have Connor Hobbs, all guys who I think that they rank the ceiling is higher than for a guy like Kobe Williams. And so if they're NHL ready, they may look to those guys first. Speaking of Lucas Johansson, Doug's f- second question is, my favorite player on Hershey is Lucas Johansson. How many years do you think it will take for him to join the Caps? I got to be honest with you, bro. I, I cover the Capitals, man. I have not, <laughs> I you know, I, I would get, a, I could get a decent feel by talking to a, a Troy man, but having not seen Lucas play a game, you know, this season, it's hard for me to kind of speak as an expert on right. where he fits. But I can tell you, just looking at depth charts, they like him. They drafted him in the first round. Defensemen take a couple of years. It takes three years of pro experience before they're ready before they're ready to, you know, come in and contribute. And, you know, if this is a team that's rebuilding next year, I think he has a pretty good shot. If it's a team that got close or, or won and they're trying to uh, repeat some of that success, he might be in Hershey again. Having spoken to Ross Mahoney and Troy Mann earlier in the year about some of their top prospects, I know the 
what they're looking at with Lucas Johansson, he has all of the talent to be a top pairing player. The problem right now is adjusting to game speed. And it's not that he's a slow player. It's the instincts. It's knowing where the puck has to go instinctively. Right now, he since he's a very smart player, when he gets the puck, he processes. And you don't really have that kind of time. It has to be instinctive. You, you have to know where you're going to pass sometimes before you have the puck. It has to be almost instinctive. It has to be instant. And it takes him a little while to process right now. So he'll probably be better served by spending another year in Hershey. But as you said, if they blow things up, they may bring him up early. I think if they had their way, they would let him spend the entire next year in Hershey and then evaluate him after that, see how he is adjusted to being a professional. Thank you, everyone, for all of your questions. If you want to have your question read and answered on the next Mailbag Podcast, you can send it into capitalsfaceoff at gmail.com. If you send in your question but you did not hear us answer it, don't worry. We can't always get to all of the questions, and sometimes we get the questions after we have already recorded the podcast. But before we publish, so if we did not answer your question this week, then we will get to it on the next Mailbag Podcast. If you like the podcast, you can subscribe anywhere podcasts are available. And be sure to give us a good rating and review. Those things really do matter to help spread the word about the show and help us climb those charts and, you know, get, gets us in good with the, uh, with the bosses. So thank you, everyone, who has taken the time to do that. Thank you for your questions. Thank you for tuning in. For Tarek Elbashir, this is JJ Regan. Now let's get the fuck out of here.